songs we sing. It's week two of our our walk together through songs that we sing in worship, whether it's contemporary worship or uh, or sanctuary worship. I'm joined again, as always, by Sam Maxwell, our young adult ministry resident, and by Charlie Lowry, who is our contemporary worship minister. So, y'all, as we uh, as we prepare to get started this week, I do have a confession to make to you, both of you. Uh, last week was my first podcast ever, the first time I've ever been on a podcast, done a podcast, whatever. Um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that, that's the case. It was super weird to open iTunes and hit play and hear my voice. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but it was pretty easy because Sam did most of it. I just recorded it and was like, hey, Sam, uh, can you put this on the interwebs? And and he did. So if you out there listening to this want to do your own podcast, you totally can record it and then find Sam and he can get it on the web for you. So, and we did it all via, via Zoom, which I thought was pretty seamless. I thought was, I was impressed by, you know, audio quality, the ease of it and that kind of thing. Um, it would be at this point that you would think I would say this message is brought to you by Zoom for all your quarantine Bible study needs, but but no, it's Poor just, Zoom. It's, what a year for Zoom, man. Yeah, no, seriously, like, I wish I had Zoom stock or whatever. I, I don't know. even know how that works. But, Brought to yeah. you by the letter Z. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. I also, so, so of course, you know, we're doing podcasts, we're doing video, we're putting it on YouTube. So we put it on YouTube last week, and I'm, I actually made it public. So there's now a FBC Huntsville Young Adults page. And because uh, I put it on YouTube, I actually got a notification that it's blocked in some regions because we have a recording of the song on there of uh, oh that's right there's of, a whole I, I sh- mess with I that. so so youtube recognized it and it wasn't we didn't use the recording but the recognized recognized your your melody charlie and uh and so if you're listening in, in the region where it's blocked it just it says it just goes silent when when the song comes comes on but it also said the notification said that the only region right now that currently affected is uh, is Denmark, so a portion of our podcast is blocked in Denmark. And sorry, I'm Denmark. Terribly, terribly sorry to all of our listeners in Denmark. If somebody out there makes T-shirts and you want to put our three faces on it and caption it "Banned in Denmark," yeah. I'd be I'd be <laughs> down Hasht- for that. Hashtag Sorry Denmark. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but to everyone else, we're not trying to ba- break uh, copyright laws. I promise. We're making no. exactly zero dollars on this go buy audrey Assad's song go buy a version of that's right Without my vision after you listen today and john's not the only one that's new at this i mean we're that's- though i have experience in commercial music and recording and studio and writing and copyright and all of that it gets really different when you start podcasting things and when you start placing them on youtube and there's a whole just different rigmarole so we're all learning here our yes. purpose is to give everybody the gospel in the many ways that it can be received and that's our goal so we'll get better as we go along that's right you're right and i do want to make one quick announcement by the way pertaining to young adults Uh, if you are a young adult in our uh, in our ministry want to just make sure you know that we sent out an email this week with our kind of highlighting what what we have coming up this august if you didn't see it you can go to fbchsv.org slash young adults a couple of the things we have coming up are a movie night at the Trash Panda Stadium on August 15th. That's a week from this coming Saturday. We also have, uh, we're going to do a $5 after 5 p.m. Thursday night at the Art Museum. 
at the end of the month. And then in September, we're gonna start with a kind of virtual book club. So I uh, would love for you to check that out, go to our website, um, join us at, at any of these things. So anybody else have anything they wanna plug before we get started? Go trash pandas. That, that is undefeated in, in their inaugural season, 2020. So, uh, all right, well, just a reminder, so here's what we're doing. We're picking a song each week. We're kind of tracing the history, the background, uh, why it, we, we find it appealing, maybe what the biblical or theological background of that song is. So this week we're doing Be Thou My Vision. So we'll start with the history of that. And uh, I looked into that this week, and I'll just say the version that we have today is sort of an evolved form. It was originally written in Gaelic, which is old Irish. It was originally written as a poem. We're not sure when. Most people think it was written in the sixth century, which would be the 500s. Uh, officially, the author is anonymous, but most attribute, attribute it to a, a saint. I think his name is Saint Dallin. I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but it was passed down for centuries before being translated into English in 1905. And then in 1912, it was set to a traditional Irish melody called Slain. I think that's how you say it, Slain, uh, S-L-A-N-E. And in uh, 1919, it was first published in the Irish church hymnal, and it became popular overnight. But uh, not in the final form that we know today. The lyrics then were still a bit awkward for the melody that didn't quite line up well. So in 1964, the Methodist hymnal came out with the lyrics that we know today. So in its current form, it's just over 50 years old. In musical form, it's just over 100 years old. Uh, the tune is older than that, maybe 1,100 years old. And, but in its original form, the original poem goes back to over 1,400 years, which is crazy mind-blowing to me. Some other fun, fun facts about it. If, if it was St. Dallin, again, I don't know how to say that, but if it was him, who wrote it, he went blind in the middle of his life. So, and his name actually means little blind one. Uh, so the fact that he, you know, possibly this was written by him and, and it is Be Thou My Vision. Uh, I, I just thought that that was interesting. Uh, like, like last week, the song is a prayer. Uh, we'll talk more about what the words mean in a, in a moment. One thing I did find interesting as well, the tune, Slain, was written in honor of St. Patrick a few centuries after after uh, the poem was written. Uh, and this was common in, in that day. It, it, was, it was a well-known tune. You know, they didn't have copyright laws then like we do now. So if you like the tune, you could just lift it and, and put your own lyrics on it. Uh, they didn't have to worry about being banned in Denmark. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you find this in, in fact with a lot of old songs. Uh, one of my favorites uh, that, where there's a fact about this is the Star, the Star Spangled Banner, actually. The tune comes from a well-known British song in its day that was sort of a, a theme song for a, a gentleman's society in Britain. Uh, and it was, a, <laughs> this song was about uh, beer and women, as most songs are. And, uh, and they lifted the tune from that and put the Star Spangled Banner on it. So, so that kind of thing is very common and, and that appears to be what happened with this song as well. Now, as for the lyrics, we'll use the version that you're most familiar with. I'll, I'll walk through that. And like I said earlier, at best, this is the fourth version of it. Uh, we'll start with the first line, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Uh, what does that mean? When you're singing this, what are you singing? What are you saying? Uh, most things I read said uh, this actually has sort of a, a double meaning, meaning, uh, Lord, be what I see and be how I see. 
then it goes into not be all else to me save that thou art uh, and, and that's a lot where a lot of times people i think get confused not is not a word that we use often in our language although i do think you probably most often hear it uh, someone will say like oh it was it was all for not um, and it's really just a word that means nothing uh, and this too is a double meaning uh, meaning uh, be saying to god as a prayer be nothing other than what you are uh, or in other words be who you are not what i want you to be so when we're singing this that's that could be one thing that we're meaning by this it also can mean let everything else but you be nothing to me and i think sam's going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute but so it really can be both of these things and for a blind guy possibly to write this if you think about it i think it's stunning uh, he's saying my sight is nothing to me if i can't see you uh, he, he then goes into the last couple lines of that of that verse thou thou my best thought by day or by night waking or sleeping thy presence my light basically saying i can imagine nothing better than you in a life of darkness or blindness you guide me uh, it reminded me of a c.s lewis quote where he would he would say at one point i believe in christianity as i believe that the sun has risen not only because i see it but because by it i see everything else and so that's sort of what that first verse makes me think of and, and when we're singing this i think that's sort of what we're saying and like i said it's, it's sort of a prayer that we're offering uh, verse 2 says be thou my wisdom and thou my true word i ever with thee and thou with me lord thou my great father i thy true son thou in me dwelling and i with thee one again uh, it's sort of old english or or at least very uh, you know sort of an archaic sound um you know real real english uh but basically i saw a quote that sort of summarizes i think what what this verse is saying uh it says uh, we should be careful that our theology arises from the bible rather than holding a theological system so tightly that we don't allow the scriptures to correct it and i think that's what this verse is saying so so we're not only saying in verse one uh, not only be what you are, not what I want you to be, uh, but but by saying be my wisdom, I think it's saying how I interpret scripture, how I live, how I think, let it not be what I want it to be, but let it be what it is and let it stretch me, let it shape me. It made me think of another quote by Tim Keller, who, who was a pastor in New York City. Uh, he, he says, when you study the scriptures, do you study the scriptures but more importantly do you let the scriptures study you and do you let uh, god through the word shape you instead of you shaping it and what you want it to be of course the last part of that verse talks about our relationship with the father i think that's pretty clear uh, verse three riches i heed not nor man's empty praise thou mine inheritance now and always thou and thou only first in my heart high king of heaven my treasure thou art. I think this is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, similar to the song that we talked about last week, I shall not want. It's, it's again, a prayer saying, let me seek you. Let me seek not the goods that this world has to offer. Um, it does say, it used the word heed, which, which people may not know what that word means. It just means pay attention to. So he's saying, you know, don't let me pay attention to the worldly riches, to worldly praise, that sort of thing. Help me make you first in my heart. And I think this is a little bit of a hearkening back to the Sermon on the Mount. We hear a lot in, in this verse about inheritance, about treasure, uh, seeking first, 
the Lord, that sort of thing. And then verse four, high king of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Part of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, a ruler of all. And this is talking about what, what theologians call the already but not yet, uh, is how they describe it, where we're already in God's kingdom, but we're not seeing the full promise of that kingdom yet. Uh, the best comparison I can think of for that is if you can think about being in the womb, uh, you're alive, but the promise of real life is, is yet to come. So uh, by saying, you know, my victory won, may I reach heaven's joys, it's basically kind of acknowledging we've been, we've been given life, but we're also praying that we see the journey through uh, to the very end. And then heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision. Uh, basically saying no matter what happens, be what I see, continue to be how I see, continue to be what I cling to, you know, in, in, in marriage, in, in our society, we vow, you know, for, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. And I think sometimes in Christianity, our vows to God, or at least what we expect from God, uh, usually is always sort of positive outcomes. Um, and, and so I think if we could illustrate that, it would be like saying, you know, in a, in a vow to God, for better or for better, for richer or for richer. And I think that's sometimes how we approach our relationship with God. And I think this last part of this, verse four, is pushing back against that and basically saying, you know, no matter what happens, uh, still be, you know, the way I see and how I see, still be what I, what I long for and what I cling to. So I think, you know, when we're singing this, this song, I think that is what we're singing. That is what we're saying. And again, it, it is a prayer, first and foremost. And, and it was a poem that was originally written, uh, but it is, a, it is a song where when we are bringing this to God, we are asking him, shape who we are, shape how we think about you, shape how we interact with the world. Uh, don't let us be what we want to be, but what you want us to be. Uh, and then the last thing I'll share, I found this quote talking about the song, and I thought it was just kind of a beautiful way to look at this song. And it said, the story of Be Thou My Vision is, is the story of the gospel. In God's timing, he took what the world ignored, and he made it something beautiful. As far as man knew, that original Gaelic poem was, was dead. It was written 1,400 years ago. So it was slain, the, the tune that, that, uh, that is carried with that song. That was dead as far as man knew. But God took what was dead and made it alive again. And he took what was ancient and made it new. And uh, I just think that's a beautiful way to summarize the song. And, and that is how God works with us as well. So singing the song and looking at this song this way, um, I think that's a great way to encapsulate it. What do y'all think? <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much covered everything, brother. Yeah, sounds good. Time to go. Thanks nice. for right, thanks guys, for tuning thanks in. For yeah. So, <laughs> Sorry, well, Denmark. Okay. So, so Charlie, as a as a worship uh, artist, as a worship leader, uh, what is it about it that resonates with you, or you know, why do you think most people, when they hear this song, they they love this song? I think it has a lot to do. Um, it's very similar to I Shall Not Want, coincidentally. It is, it is, it is. In fact, I, I didn't think about that until after yeah. studying it. I mean, I, I, what's, what's unique, though, is I'm glad that we did it in the order that we did because it stretches me to try and find the differences um, aside from the similarities. And one of those would be, which actually, side note, Audrey Assad has an incredible version of this song as well. Nice. <laughs> go go by Audrey Assad. Go by Audrey Assad. We're not, we're not by Lady Cumber. <laughs> no, we're not. 
Um, and I think it's King's Kaleidoscope uh, is a band that actually has another version of it, which um, in my worship planning time, often I forget their name. I don't know why, but I'm, I mix them up with another band, but King's Kaleidoscope and Audrey Assad go by their versions of this song. Um, when I was thinking about the differences and the contrast between this and I Shall Not Want, the things that come up for me is stuff that you definitely touched on. Um, one of them being fear. So I think what's really focused on an I shall not want is the things that we're attracted to and the things that we desire. And they're all good things. Um, and relinquishing those things for the sake of the Lord's glory and for the sake of the Lord's hand on our life instead and for tasting his goodness. For Be Thou My Vision, um, I think that this is at least how it's interpreted in my heart whenever I lead it. Um, it encompasses so much more than just be what I desire, God, but also be my eyes for me so that when I see something that I don't want to see or when I see things that, that's not exactly how I would like to word that, when I see things that I should turn from, um, things of temptation or things of evil be my eyes so that I may turn yeah. away. And right. I, I really like that it encompasses both of those things and that kind of duality of, of faith and duality of Christianity. And there was one other, I think I might've forgotten. It was something that you touched on in the, the, um, the last verse. Uh, oh, kind of like a, that, that part of the prayer of, of talking about in sickness and in health and comparing yeah. with marriage. Uh, I think it's the same kind of thing where there will be some seasons of life where God does want my attention to be diverted to um, or diverted away from things that are normally comfortable. Um, and he wants for me to point my eyes towards something that is uncomfortable or that is stretching me or chiseling part of my character. And that's hard. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like that this is a song that encompasses that in a way of a melody. There's something about when you sing something, when you put a prayer and words and a language to melody, it, it just completely encompasses the meaning of um, easier said than done kind of thing. But at yeah. the same time, when we sing it, it almost becomes easier to do. There is, and there's scripture about that. Like I said last week, I don't want to do your job here, <laughs> but I'd love to talk more about that eventually. I'm sure it might come up in, in other podcasts, but there's often an opportunity to really um, shape our character and shape our faith in simply just by singing something. And there's so much power in the words that um, come out of our mouths in the form of song and in the form of praise, especially And scripture talks on that as well. But yeah, at this point, I'm just repeating myself, but yeah. Well, I think, so let me, let me ask this and then we'll, we'll go into what Sam has. Uh, do you remember really the first time that you heard this song in it? you know, it kind of awakened you and, and I'll tell you mine while you, while you think about yours. Yeah. So I was, I was in college and I was in a men's chorus and um, not because I was good, because it was a class. They had to let me, I signed up and I got credit and they had to let me sing. <laughs> uh, but, but we had a chapel service that we sang in and uh, we actually had a worship leader from London, from a church in London who was leading and, and we sang this song. And I don't know, 
if I'd heard it before, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's the first time I recall it. And I remember in the choir, just hearing the, ver the voices, hearing the melody of the song and the way it reverberated off the, off the chapel uh, that we were, we were singing in. It was just this incredibly, incredibly powerful, moving moment. And I think that is one of the, one of the things people like about the song is just when you hear it, it's a beautiful song and the words are, are so beautiful. Um, and then when you, you know, we talked about this yesterday, Charlie and I did, uh, when you hear this song like in a chapel or in a, in a, in a sanctuary or cathedral type setting, it just, the way the acoustics bounce back and forth, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And I think it also speaks to the power of song. I mean, this is why we sing in worship because it is something that connects with us on a deep emotional level, you know, and that's why songs mean something to us. That's why we can not hear a song for 10 years and remember the words, you know, if it was a song in high school, because that was a very uh, formative part of our lives. And mm -hmm. so I think that's, that's part of the beauty of song too. And so I think this song kind of fits into uh, that mold for people that you know do have this sort of experience with it so I mean I don't do you remember your first sort of like where this song kind of awoke your soul or Sam do you remember yeah well you know uh, I grew up in a, a different church tradition uh, some folks might say like a higher church tradition so to, to have songs like this within the normal repertoire um, was just a part of everyday life um, so I don't know if there's necessarily a point where I thought like, oh, this is new and fresh and has awakened something new in me. Um, but I think there is just this perpetual sweetness that is involved in the song that just every time I hear it, it's just, um, you know, it's like eating a piece of candy after mm -hmm. going on a diet or something. You're like, mm, this is just so good. No, that's like every Friday for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about you, Charlie? I'd, I'd have to say the same. I mean, it's a it's a reprieve almost it's kind of i i remember the season of life that i was in um and it was one where i was being called to a higher responsibility and i was being in in terms of music particularly and a lot was um being a lot more was being expected of me and i was coming out of a season of um uh just a break kind of like a hiatus type of thing my own personal sabbatical that i chose yeah. to take that was about a year long and i was coming out of that and breaking into a more prominent role at kairos in nashville and um i was chosen to lead this song as one of my firsts with the congregation and it was one of the first times that i mean i'd heard it before but i actually started listening to the words and mm -hmm. um really understanding the lyrics and that was yeah, that was something that um, was a theme where I could, it was as if I could finally feel the weight of them and what I was asking of God and what I was offering up to myself and saying, uh, God, I give you my sight. I give you my vision and the things that I see and the things that I perceive of this world. Because I think it also touches on um, our understanding and I'm huge on god of wonders uh staying in awe of the lord and god almighty and mm -hmm. um i have very firm beliefs in the in the theology side of having a constant wonder of god and um that getting into a conversation of what things do we actually understand what things are we uh, called to 
find the finality of or understand completely. And I definitely won't get into the details of that, but this is one that I, I feel as if something in this, in the lyrics really touches on that, where Lord, be my eyes and see the things that I may see, but cannot perceive in my own finite mind. Be my eyes so that when I do see those things that I can't understand and fully understand, give me the trust and give me the ability, Holy Spirit, to have faith in you so that if you understand them, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that really connects to me too. And I think the beauty of song and the beauty of worshiping together uh, in song is that, that songs have that power to take you back. Like if you've had that moment that you associate with that song, they have that power to take, take you back to that moment yeah. or take you back to that feeling. And I think that's why it is so important to sing in worship. I think that, you know, the church has always done that. Um, but that, but that is why it like, it speaks for us when, when our souls can't speak for themselves. And, and then it, it, it reminds us just of the power of the movement of God in our life and, and the times when he's shown up. So um, beautiful. So let's, let's turn to Sam and just see, uh, you know, Sam, you know, what, what kind of biblical parallels uh, or, or, or background or theology did you find uh, between this song and, and, and what we look at in scripture? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was either a good thing or a regrettable thing to let me do the theology for <laughs> this. Nice. Um, I am a deep believer because I, I do love theology. Um, I'm, I'm particularly not a very emotionally expressive person. I, I find myself far more cerebral. So thinking through these things in very creative and nitpicky ways is kind of my excitement. Um, <laughs> all to say, um, I think... I think there is something very interesting um, about hymns and the songs that we sing, because I think we just, we just take them and sing them and think that they're all consistent with one another. And I think if you go and you look at different types of hymns and different types of songs, you'll find that people put in their own theology or their own interpretation of theology into them. So all to say that leading into my, um, kind of my portion, it's, it's taking that intentional eye to look at it. So. I'm going to do very much a, a kind of a stanza by stanza or verse by verse breakdown, much as you did, John, um, just because I think there's so much embedded in here based on the writer. Um, you said it's potentially, it's attributed to a guy named St. Dallin, uh, which is such a nasally Germanic way of pronouncing mm -hmm. it. I, I know we're getting it wrong. Um, totally. Um, to but, but it'll, you know, it might resonate with our Denmark viewers. Um, <laughs> But it, it almost makes sense that it is, right? Because he would have potentially been living at that point in time within a monastic community. And so the people within the monastic community would have been the people in charge of the writing, the reading, the recording, um, and then would have also had this just this daily study and would have known scripture very well. So based on my, re or my exploring the text, I, I don't find it unreasonable for it to be um, this St. Dallin person, or at least it would have come from something with it, someone within the monastic community. So looking at stanza one, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, um, right from the get-go, I think we have some, some biblical illusions built into it. Um, so if it is the St. Dallin person, uh, you mentioned that he, his name means with, without sight. So I think there's kind of this double meaning here. One, initially in this first stanza, and then the rest as it goes through. So this initial idea of vision of you know, losing vision, but also then having this new vision in God or having this new ability to see. But if you take a step beyond that, you can find some biblical ideas within the Gospels themselves, um, this idea of spiritual blindness. So even as you go into 
specifically like Mark 8. Mark does a really good job at kind of comparing two different ideas right next to each other. They call them Mark and, Mark and Sandwiches. So in the initial portion of the chapter, he talks about the disciples who are following him and the disciples who don't quite get it, who don't quite understand. And then he moves and progresses over to the healing of a blind man, right? And the blind man can now see. So the blindness is not necessarily blindness as we think about it. Of course, it could be. Um, but just this greater literary expression of like the spiritual blindness. So St. Dallin, while he's might physically be blind, right? He is also asking for a, a spiritual vision. Um, so I think there's that part of it. If we go down to um, the last line of that, thy presence, my light, um, I think there's, there could also be a very explicit um, kind of gospel reference here, um, specifically Johannine, um, which if he lived in a monastic community, he would know what he was talking about. So, yeah, and by the, the way, jo Johannine means John. from John. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the, the gospel of John. The jo yeah. Um, yeah, that's just one of the fancy words of saying the writings of John. Um, so thy presence, my light, if you go to the prologue, um, which is the first chapter of John, where it kind of essentially re-gives you this creation story, but it doesn't attempt to tell you how things are created. It just tells you why and the forces behind it. Um, you're given um, just this very immediate idea of light. Um, so while there is the darkness potentially in the blindness or what we might think about dark blindness, there's a light to the blindness, but there's also this light in Jesus. In John 1, it says, um, let's see, where is it? In Jesus was life, or in the word was life, and that life was the light of all man. Um, so there's that piece to it. Um, and even within that, there is this kind of contrast within Hellenistic uh, philosophical thought between light and darkness. So there are a couple of levels meaning of meaning within that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, yeah, a Greek Mm -hmm. way of thinking at the time of, of yeah. everything was light or dark yeah. yes sorry hellenistic is, yeah. is greek <laughs> yeah. it, 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 Hellen, hellenism was was the culture around them at the time the way you know western civilization is the culture we're in at this time mm -hmm. so and it influenced trade it influenced language uh, that's why a lot of the new testament's written in greek because it was just the prominent uh culture is the prominent so, yeah that's what english line. is today yeah. exactly um so without um, belaboring that too much, uh, we can jump down to stanza two, be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. So even in there, it's, it's really easy to run over it, um, but thou my wisdom. So when you look biblically at this, um, what jumps out is that God is often referred to or equated with like ultimate wisdom, their penultimate wisdom. Um, you know, if you look to the book of Job in the Old Testament, after he has his friends come and tell him their wisdom, their worldly wisdom of why he's suffering all these things. You know, he essentially says like, that's great, but the wisdom of God is so much greater than yours. And again, you see the same idea in first Corinthians where you kind of see this juxtaposition between foolishness and wisdom and that God's wisdom will always seem like foolishness to man simply because it is a higher level of wisdom. Um, so we have an expression of God, the father in wisdom. And then you get to thou my true word, um, going back to Je Johannine theology, back to the book of John, um, you see this Greek word logos. Um, and this logos, again, is another Greek philosophical idea of uh, 
thoughts of wisdom, but it's indirect reference to Jesus. So you have God the Father, you have the Son, uh, be with me, uh, thou great Father, I thy true Son, thou in me dwelling. I think there you have another kind of doubling, right? We already know about this from 1 Corinthians, you are God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells within you. But a part of that is that God's Spirit. So I think very lightly, whether intentionally or not, we almost have a Trinitarian theology kind of put into here. Father, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and us also in participation with them, where it says, and I with the one. Um, And participation is kind of another theological term to say, like, we are, um, without using the word in the definition, um, we are a part of what is going on, or we have kind of submitted or um, engage in what is already participating within the community of the Holy Trinity. Jumping down to stanza four, um, and if all of these things sound really interesting, I encourage you to go back and look at it with a fine-tooth biblical comb, because there is a lot that's kind of really put in here, and it it is really interesting. Well, Um, I mean, they only had like 1,400 years to jam it all in. Oh, yeah. Um, So so stanza four, or originally would be stanza three in our modern Riches I heed not, nor more man's empty praise, thou my inheritance now and always. Um, sounds an awful lot like Philippians 3. So in this, in Philippians 3, Paul is talking to the people of Philippi about these other teachers who want to come and give them the gospel or just these alternate ideas. And these people often stake their claim in the things that they have of the world. And so Paul does it very quickly and expressively. Hey, i I'm not only a Jew, but I'm the best kind of Jew. I studied under the right kind of people. I was circumcised on the right time. I lived and did everything exactly according to the law. I did everything that would would merit honor and respect and um, glory from all of the people around me because I have done everything to the T to be outstanding. However, despite those things, everything's a loss. All of those things that I've done, all of those things that would merit Um, human attention and praise are worth nothing um, because Jesus is the ultimate gift. He's the ultimate riches. Um, He's the ultimate treasure, and Jesus is what's worth valuing, not the things that we have or we can attain. So riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, I think speak to that, right? Jesus is the ultimate gift, the ultimate thing that we can have, and it's really nothing about this world um, that can enrich that at all. Yeah, and if I can add to that, the, yeah. the, the second line in verse 1, not be all else to me, save that thou art, speaks to that as well. You know, if it's, if it's you know, let everything else be nothing to me other than you, mm-hmm. then it's speaking to Philippians 3 as well, which where, where Paul says, you know, compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, I consider all things rubbish. Or mm-hmm. you might have a translation that says garbage. Um, yeah. And what's... <laughs> Ran a bit of Bible trivia for you here. Uh, that word is um, G-rated version. Um, <laughs> the, the word that he uses in yeah. Greek is the Greek word um, for poop, but mm-hmm. but a little bit stronger than that. Yeah. So. Kaka. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, just just an interesting bit. So so Paul says, you know, in line with with verse three of this song or, or four, you know, uh, and, and then the second line of verse one. Let everything else be nothing, garbage, uh, 
the term Paul uses compared mm -hmm. to knowing you. So yeah. and I think it I think it hits on that. Yeah. And then getting to the last stanza, High King of Heaven, Victory One, um, Heaven's Joys, Bright Heaven's Sun, Heart of My Own Heart, Still Be My Vision of Ruler of All. Um, so just from a thousand foot view, I think it's trying to re-encapsulate everything that's, that's happened, whether um, in kind of a poem format, just encapsulating everything that's already been said or, you know, later rhythmic, rhythmically or musically kind of creating a conclusion. But even in here, I think there's some embedded theology. Um, so High King of Heaven, uh, sometimes people wonder, like, what's the point of saying, like, High King of Heaven? Like, we know he's in heaven and you know, heaven isn't necessarily like above us. So what's the deal? Going back to the Old Testament, um, you do have the, the Israelites who are living in a, in a land that is very much surrounded by a lot of different types of gods. So at various points, they will say like, God is the highest God, that he is above all other things, that there is nothing else that can compare to him, especially after a big victory or something where um, God has delivered them from something else. And even at that time, there was a, a less descriptive form of God that was often used in the form of L, just like E-L, and just means generic God. So they would say, like, your God is the highest of the gods because of this miraculous thing that's happened. And so it's, it's neat to see it still carried over into kind of our modern texts and our modern translations. Uh, victory one, of course, I think, you know, you, you can think about Jesus, the victory on the cross, but especially the victory over the grave. We can't forget the victory of the grave. That's, that's the, the exclamation point. Mm -hmm. um, heaven's joys, again, is this participation um, in, what's, in what, is, what God is doing. Like you said, John, this, um, this presently but not yet idea, the here but still to come, um, that we can participate and enjoy in, these heavens, in the heaven's joys by existing in relationship with God at a high level. Um, and then, O oh, bright heaven's sun, I, for a little bit, this was kind of a throwaway piece to me. And then as I thought about it a little bit more, um, it's, it's written as S-U-N, sun, like the star, not the S-O-N. Um, but still, I think you could play it either way, right? The sun at the center of our solar system gives us heat and light and warmth and comfort. Um, it also... Uh, removes the shadows and the other things from our lives. It produces this great light that allows us to see things clearly. Um, but then, of course, you could use it the other way, heaven's son, right? Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven, right. in the throne of God. Um, and then still be my vision, O ruler of all. Again, back to this, give me this, the eyes to see, give me your eyes, God, to see what I need to see the way you see it. And then just this perpetual, eternal, everlasting rulership um, of the kingdom of God that is here, and then yet we still look forward to in the future. Um, that is very much the the condensed rambling through all of this to save time. <laughs> the beautiful thing about it, um, as we you know, as we wrap up, so so this is a song that, as we mentioned, I mean, it's fourteen hundred years old multiple allusions to scripture, uh, multiple ways it connects in our lives, as, as we talked about with Charlie, uh, and speaks to us wherever we are, um, things that we're going through. And I, I think the great testimony to it is, even though it was written so long ago, it still speaks to us today. And, and we'll include the lyrics in the show notes. 
Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and find the original stanza, the English translation of it. It's actually, it's, like I said, it's a poem. It's about 20 couplets of it. But it still speaks to us today, and I think it speaks to the similarity of the journey that we all have in Christ and, and the, the balance between having the promise of life, but also the, the expectation of the full life that, that is to come. Like we talked about, you know, light and darkness, um, that goes so much with the idea I shared earlier about being in the womb. You know, in the womb you have life, but you're still in darkness. You're still not yet into real life. We all share that experience. Of course, we don't have memory of it, but we know we know of it. And this is still speaking to that sort of thing in our spiritual life and how, how we're looking forward to that, that fullness of life. And so when we sing this, it kind of packs all those things in with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as I was looking kind of for, you know, just for the sake of giving it a, a clean wrap-up, it made me think a lot about Galatians 2.20, um, which is one of my favorite verses. It says, I've been crucified with Christ um, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So it's this death to self. And once you die to yourself and die to your desires and your interests and worldly things that matter for nothing, then you begin to enjoy these riches and your spiritual eyes begin to open. You begin to see things for the value that they really have. Um, so I think that's, I, I think it really plays into it. There's no explicit, hey, this is from Galatians 2.20, um, but I think it, I think it speaks to a lot of different pieces of it. Yeah. I also love how this song, another difference that I'm bringing up from I Shall Not Want, because there's so many similarities. I think another difference that Be Thou My Vision brings is that, that greatness and the power of what's actually being said, where I Shall Not Want is definitely one focused view on um, because it's a contemporary song and it was written from that kind of that view and it's very easy to digest it's sacred and it's intimate and tender and it's just as meaningful but be thou my vision is so deep and like like you had referenced to john it had so many years and so many decades to really get even deeper and even deeper into meaning so i really enjoy how be thou my vision carries more of that weight of both sides of what this prayer is actually saying as in yes yeah. there's so much greatness in having the lord lead your life and being your eyes but it also refers to what that's actually saying and it brings up the thought of what sam was bringing to the table of death to yourself and giving up those things because of the greatness of god and his power and whatever befall ruler of all there's a reason why you know um, there's a reason why we're giving it to him and not to ourselves. Yeah, it all certainly, it, it, it alludes to the struggles of St. Dallin or whoever yeah. wrote it and, and still speaks to us today and the struggles that we have in our spiritual life and the things that we want for it. So, And I, I think that's so true, right? I mean, talking about how old it is, if people didn't love it, if it didn't hit some remarkable note um, of truth in relationship with God, then it would have disappeared. People would have been like, eh, yeah, this is cool. Like right. you did a great job, but uh, we're going to go in another direction. Right. But it, it's been embraced and so much so that, right. It's been translated out of a somewhat dead language into popular languages so that it can continue to be used and continues to resonate in very powerful ways because it speaks to very deep embedded truths about who God is and our relationship with God. And that happens today all the time. Yeah. Just like, 
noted in commercial music and um, CCM, especially commercial Christian, that happens on a regular basis. If something is, well, it's not commercial enough or like it's not universal enough, it's, it's too deep or too whatever. Every so often there's a song that comes around. I actually was just watching a video this morning um, that was talking about this song and, and the just giant boom that it's had on, on the industry. And that's The Blessing by Carrie Job. Yeah. And not to get off topic and talk about a different song, but using that as, as using that as an example, it's an example of when a song is so heavy and so, I mean, it's biblical text. The lyrics of that song is biblical text, just straight up. And, you know, it, it makes me think of the environment of the audience when Be Thou My Vision was written and being played. And it's as, like you were saying, there's something tangible about that song, though it has such firm depth now and it's had time to grow and morph it there was something about it that was true and that was authentic and that was that went there you know and it's really unique just because that's a constant that's a constant debate in commercial music in many genres is it authentic enough is it going to carry through is it going to carry weight or is it just a commercial song you know right so it's really fascinating how that's evident in such an old song as this yeah that's a great point by both of y'all and great way to close out uh, as we as we finish this discussion of this song and of course we'll have discussion questions for you in the show notes as well i appreciate you guys being with us again today and uh, once again just a reminder go to fbchsc.org slash young adults plug in with what we're doing throughout this month and uh, with that all said we're going to close like we did last week with a performance by charlie of be that my vision.
you were 